Aloha, I'm Desin Hakias, the host of Healing with Aloha podcast. And today I have a special guest all the way from Australia. Everyone, this is Edwina Shaw. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. <laughs> so I, I, let me share a little bit about her. She's a writer. She's the editor of fiction, memoir, and screenplays. Uh, she, uh, for, you said Ransom UK? Yeah, yes. Based on her friend. brother's battle with schizophrenia, was shortlisted for the NSW Premier's Award for New Writing. Since, oh, there it is. Yay. Yeah. Um, since 2002 her pieces have been widely published in australia australian and international journals including best australian stories her feature film screenplay m was awarded 2018 talent development funding from screen queensland and is under development she is the commissioning and contributing editor of bijel blues did I say correct? Blues. Bijelki so, Blues, yeah. Stories of Resistance and Repression in Bijelki Peterson. Peterson, okay. uh, QLD 1960s to 1980s, and also Books 2019, and the co author of our Inside Voices, and also Books 2020. Would further ado, guys, this is Edwina. Hi, everybody. <laughs> And there's so much more. So Edwina, I'm so glad that I got to talk to you before this interview. And there's so much we have in common. But can you tell everybody, like, why do you just love to write? Like, what is it that compels you? Because you're like doing screenplays, you're writing books, and you're helping other people to, to dug, go deep and then bring it out of them. Like, why is it so important to you? I, I think I've always used writing as a powerful tool for healing. I've kept a journal. I don't. Do you keep a journal, Desley? I do, but I was looking at my old journals and it was so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look at them. <laughs> I did have journals, but I'm like shifting, shifting energy. <laughs> yeah, we change. It's it's living proof that we are no longer the person that we were when certainly. Uh, from when I was 18 so I've always kept a journal and then I did The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron in 2002 which reminded me just how much I really loved writing and then I started to find that I had these stories as all of us do uh, who have undergone some kind of trauma going around and around in my head that just would not leave me alone and that caused me great pain. Mm. So I discovered that by writing those stories out, I started to feel better and that they were, it's like downloading a computer and cleaning out the files actually. So yep. that the stories in Thrill Seekers were the ones that came out first um, that was during my, I, I did a master's in creative writing at the University of Queensland. Um, and those stories coming out and then changing them to become fiction because I wanted to protect my family and myself, of course, because I'm a bit of a chicken. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to do it as a straight memoir. Um, so I disguised it as fiction. I made myself a boy in the book and gave... But a lot of the events, <clears throat> almost all of the events are real, uh, except I also worked with boys in prison. So there's a crime in there that did not happen, uh, but that could have. Um, so using those tools of fiction to tell those stories of my real life 
just got rid of them out of my brain. So I've been practicing yoga a long time. I'm in my 28th year of practice, daily practice. So the emotions and the stories would keep coming up and I found a tool to get rid of them. So the writing was a tool to get them out of my head, onto the page, and then craft them into something beautiful. I think it is the crafting of them into a meaningful and beautiful story where the real healing lies because Mm. it's the retelling, re, and seeing it objectively as something that you are creating to be a thing of beauty removes the personal from it. Mm. Right. You know, I had a question. Um, I'm trying not to cry here because I, I, I understand uh, trauma and, you know, dealing with grief and loss. Is there any one particular feedback or someone coming up to you or emailing you, telling you, thank you. Thank you for, for your any book or screenplay. Um, did you did you recall any incidents where someone said something that was like, wow, thank you? Like, because. A lot of it is love, what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, all of it is love, I hope. <laughs> That's my my intention is that it's all love. Um, so um, you're going to make me cry now. But <laughs> at, at the launch of Thrill Seekers, I invited everybody. And the tragedy that affected my brother also affected all of his friends. So there was one of his friends came to the book launch in a wheelchair He had already had schizophrenia. He had tried to kill himself, but somebody found him before he died. So he's now in a wheelchair with schizophrenia and he came to the book launch. And when my brother's picture came up on the screen and I read the story, I heard him him groan and I knew that I had helped him too, you know. And with the grief books, because I have written it's a self-help book for grief as well um about it was so I lost my father when I was 14 and I wish I'd had this book then because I really needed it because when you're a teenager and it happens something bad happens you don't know what to do and nobody talks about it and I didn't know what to do and then I was 21 when my 20 year old brother killed himself after battling schizophrenia and then when I was 40 I'd already written Thrill Seekers. I thought, I'm home and hosed. Life's going to be easy. I've cleaned yeah. out the closet. And then I had a baby, my third child, and my baby died after three days. And that just sent me right back to the beginning. And all of the grief that I thought I'd healed came back up again. Um, so I wrote a, a book about it when I was 40. And I've had... A number of people but the woman who means the most to me is a young woman who lost a one-year-old and she reached out to me and we are I, I love her now she's like an extra daughter <laughs> and um and I feel like the tools that I gave in this book have really helped her and, and that her daughter died in very traumatic circumstances that are ongoing some people's grief is constantly somebody is is sticking the needle in and um but the tool in my book she has been using and they have really helped her and I can see how it's helping her and that that's enough for me (laughs) 
Yeah. No, and and it, and it's worth it. Like even if one person um, has hope and and has tools to to heal and to process pain, like yeah. it's worth it. Like this podcast, you know, um, yeah. I understand that success was just getting out of bed because even when I woke up, I didn't want to be alive because I I missed my sister so much yeah. when she died. You know what I mean? But. I felt like if I can just help one person. And so the podcast came about um, the 17th year of her debt anniversary. And since then, I, I've been able to have a platform for grieving moms, widows, um, you know, sibling loss, and just talking about mental health and all that kind of, and passion. And, and it's worth it. Yes. See, you've created something beautiful from your pain and, and, that's the most we can ever hope for and doing good in the world. You know, people undergo terrible, terrible things and yet create good from it. So never, ever feel like, you know, you're being punished. You are not being punished for a loss. You are there just to experience it. And if you can, to create some good from it, even if that yeah. good is just your own healing. Uh, you, know, you know that's a good point that you said like it's not being punishment because for for me I, I felt like as an older sibling even though I was on a different island when my sister was in a vehicle accident and she died the same day I for some reason I felt like I was a bad sister and it had nothing to do with me you know what I mean I was on another island and you know life happens and it was just an unexpected unfortunate event but the pain and the the guilt I held that for years yes you know came are the really big complicating factors of grief you know they they really are and what I um I felt terrible, terrible grief over my brother because I'm the older sister as well. And I should have been protecting him. I should have been saying, no, you can't smoke dope when you're 12. But I was 14, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know. Right. <laughs> um, and, and even for children, especially if any kids are watching this, I want them to know that if your parent dies, it is not your fault. Because as kids, we think, even if I thought, there's my daddy up there in that picture. So handsome. <laughs> he was a sunshine person. He was one of those shining people like your sister, Deslin. Um, so when, when I lost him, I blamed myself <laughs> because I had a thought once, you know, oh, you're mean. I wish you'd just die or something like that. You know, when I was 10 yeah. or something, it's not our fault. And, and and it made me cranky with books like, um, you know, the early work on affirmations, the who mm. create the bad things that happen in your life. No, you right. Don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. So I, that's a good point. You, no, that's a good point. You bring that up. What people yeah. need to realize is we are surrounded constantly surrounded by ideas beliefs and people put out content on social media and books and whatnot and we have to decipher and like filter out what we're reading what we're listening to and whatnot because just because someone says this like what you said we you know we like yeah we created our parents dying or our sister dying and whatnot that doesn't help us 
in our grieving process. And so just like really learning to, like, I remember I was telling you that um, back when um, my sister died, the struggle I had after I wrote letters to her is that, that where I was attending church, the belief based upon, they said scriptures, Bible teachings, that she was going to go to hell. I was like, uh, my sister died unexpectedly. It's not like, you know what I mean? I, I could just like stop time and you know what I mean? I cannot understand. Yeah. Anyway, my belief is whatever faith you have should bring you comfort and joy. That's what it should be. It's not about punishment or going to hell or heaven. It's just about believing that there is love all around you and within you. That's it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. Um, So I wanted to ask you, you know, I know you've been able to to do screenplays and is that like what is that like I know you're still writing but is there a difference between writing a book and a screenplay because I've had people on here and like I said I had um these other writers and um they just did a film called Safina um um and it it was such a, a challenging experience. What is the difference between writing a book and a screenplay for people out there who wants to tell a story, but they were like, no, I don't want to do a book. I want to do a movie or a film or a short film or whatever. What, what do you what do you learn? <laughs> or what are you learning? So, so the screenplay is a whole different form of writing. So with the book, you are the little god, you are in control. We need to put in all the setting, what the characters look like, what they feel, what they think. We can do sense of smell, sense of touch, all of those things, and we have complete control. Mm. With screenplay, we are just putting up a scaffold for hundreds of other people. Really? Have their input into. So, yeah, it's much more collaborative. Uh, So you just put the outline You don't, because we have the actor. We have the actor's face expressing the emotion. We can't say what's going on in their heads. We can't say what anything smells like. We just rely on visual. So it's a very visual form of storytelling. So do you have to be on the movie set if if you're doing, like, because you do screenplays, or do you just pass it off and then they interpret the screenplay? Or how does that work? I don't know. I've never got a screenplay to filming but I imagine that uh, they don't need you and that they make lots of changes the experience I've had is that with screenplay the whole story changes a lot every rewrite you go back to the beginning it's very top down whereas with writing a lot of us just start writing and it creates and forms organically with screenwriting you can do that with screenwriting too but it starts with okay, too much people a lot of people yeah yeah and then you build to the scene list and then you get to write the dialogue and the little bits of setting and action but it's wow it's very minimalist uh so do you like I mean do you like one more than the other I like the control I have <laughs> a book the book because you have control over everything that is presented in your movie and my experience with screenplay was that my screenplay which was about the murder of my nana's sister as a 10 year old became so distorted in the search for funding that it became a transgender romance 
Oh, wow. Totally so off what child, it was. Yeah. The child, dying. The, the child dying left the building <sighs> on, after the first meeting. Not. Yeah. So oh. I've gone back to the book version of that. I've done other little screenplays here and there. I've done one based on the stories in Bielke Blues as well. Um, but you have to be prepared that your vision becomes the director's vision. Oh. It's, it's not you are just doing an outline. It's sort of <gasps> like you do the dot to dot and the director producers make what I <laughs> like of it. Right? No, I don't want that. I'm going to go outside the line and swiggle. Unless <laughs> you're the writer, director, producer yourself as a writer in screenplay, you can influence how you want it to be seen. And if you do a really, really good job and they love it, it will remain, but mostly be prepared Hi. for rewrites. And I mean, even with, with books, that's the same. You've got to rewrite and rewrite, yeah. but you do remain in executive decision. Like influence. So yeah. when I was, so um, when I was in high school, um, in order to graduate, the English teacher required you to do a special project. And so you either had to um, write an essay or you could have done something creative. So I decided, I was 17 years old, I decided to do a skit. And oh, so I had, to, yeah, so I had to create characters and I had to write dialogue between the characters and I had to actually act out some of the, the parts in the thing in class. And I cried. So my, 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 my skit was a girl, a teenage girl and her boyfriend, they had unprotected sex. And mind you, I don't, I'm not educated now about HIV and I made it up. And so it was, she contracted HIV from her boyfriend who cheated on her oh. and denied it. And she was pregnant. Oh no. And I made this up when I was 17. Oh, that's a good that's a good starting point <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened was so I go to college here on my island and I uh, my friend I'm in drama so I took drama for one year in college my freshman year and my friend said hey Des my friend he he wants to produce something what about your skit because it's a it's a community channel so I said sure why not so I find all my actors all friends and then I play the lead role of the female. And like you said, the storyline changes, right? So yeah. I ended up being interviewed like I'm on a talk show instead of the way it was. Just because we couldn't use the high school gym. It, it was a teenager. Okay. So yeah, I ended up. Many, many practical concerns about filming that you had to take in. Yeah. No crowd scenes because you got to pay everybody in the crowd. So he produced, so, so we did the acting. He produced it and he put it out on the, the community channel. Well, I was not educated about HIV at the time and so much had changed and they were upset at me, the organization, because I gave wrong information, but it was creative writing. You know, it it wasn't, there was no intentions and stuff. And so the producer had to explain that I wrote it, but you know, it was just something. And so it was a learning experience, but people seen it on the TV channel. And they thought it was real. They were calling my cousins. They're like, does your cousin have HIV? They're like, no, my cousin was acting. (laughs) It was fake. You don't need to worry about the secrets. You've already (laughs) put it out there that you've got HIV. (laughs) So it it was just like, 
when you're explaining it, like, yeah, you have to evolve in, in doing yeah. something on that big of a scale because, yeah. but for some reason, I think that is less intimidating than writing a book. Well, it's, it's a briefer, it's a briefer art form. Um, and, but it's, don't make the mistake of thinking it's easier because you, if you are a good visual storyteller and you're really good with dialogue, go for it. It's a really, I, I really do love the form of screenplay. It's lots of fun. But you have um, to be surrendered because <laughs> it's going to evolve. Control. Yeah. <laughs> Surrender control. <laughs> um, so I was asking you earlier, um, just for our listeners, how many years have you been a writer? Because I know you, you studied creative writing. Um, yes. For people who, who thought of like, oh, I want to write. Um, are you grateful that you did do creative writing? Because there's different types of um, studies in college or university. Um, yeah. What was it about the creative writing that made it easier for you to flow into writing books? Well, I, I had originally studied English literature. There was oh. no creative writing back in the 80s when I was studying first time. Uh, and then I studied special needs education. I'm a special needs teacher. Wow. So I've worked in special schools. I've worked in prisons. I've taught English overseas. I ran schools in Cambodia. Um, and now I work with um, disadvantaged people, people who have a lot of trauma. That's where I specialise in um, creative writing for trauma. Wow. So, yeah. And um, so 20 years. I've been writing 20 years this year. So... Uh, I, I'm, you know, I always wanted to be a bestseller. I'm not a bestseller. Life has taken me much more into the teaching and healing. And really that's, that's more satisfying for my, for me. Because it's more like engaged. But yeah. I mean, you know, and I love people and because I've undergone trauma as well, I want to help others who, and I think that's maybe too why we have to uh, go through these things, Deslin, because it makes us more compassionate. One of my favourite quotes about grief is, the deeper the hole grief digs in our heart, the greater our capacity for joy. And I think that that's very true. When we know the depths, we also treasure each moment more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Life is more precious. And when we... When we reach out, when those bad things happen to us and we become more compassionate, we can understand other people's suffering more so that when we interact with people who are suffering, we come from a place of true understanding because we understand the depths. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Like, I think there's a difference between having compassion and having empathy. Someone who genuinely has empathy understands when to say something and when to just hold space for someone without words but what you can exude loving energy to someone knowing that they they don't need to be corrected they know they don't need to be told how to be but they feel make them feel accepted yeah you know? and yeah my level of love and compassion after my sister died was like a gazillion times greater and, yeah. and I'm kind of glad because, like, I'm not glad my sister died, but I'm glad that um, I can genuinely feel people's pain and love them through it. Whereas before she died, I, 
I would go to funerals or I would, you know, like I, when people share certain things about grief, I am clueless. Yeah. Well, it's all the people who, who cross to the other side of the street when they see you coming because yes, they they avoid you say when you're grieving, it's like, we don't cross the road anymore. We'll come up to somebody and say, how are you? How's your grief going? And that's, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. How are you feeling? How's your grief going? Because grief is this huge, big, wow, what the hell is that? <laughs> the polite yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the greater the love, the, the greater the pain that we can carry. Because um, people, like, some people, the type of love they have for you, you won't find it like you'll find people who love you but the kind of love that certain people had for you is is irreplaceable and so your heart like I I feel like I don't know about you but like when you deal with someone you're close to who died the first person and maybe the second your heart shatters like yeah you can put it back but it'll never be the exact same you know um because a part of you died with them. And so you're trying to figure out how to navigate life without them. Because when it's good times and bad times, you want to call them up, talk to them, and they're not there. And so I think having self-compassion and patience with yourself, because you're adapting and it's it's something you never wanted. And so just having that that patience with yourself, right? Because you were young when you lost your dad. Dad was only 40, you said? He was 42, yeah, only 42 years old. And, and my mother was only 38 with five kids and I was the oldest, 14, and my baby sister was four. So, yeah, and with my first grief, because I had no idea, I, I got very, I didn't, I was not compassionate. I was bitter. I was twisted. Mm-hmm. I turned to drugs and alcohol and I was mean and I was not nice. But, and and I separated from all of my family because being the oldest sister I'd always been the emotional carer for everybody but the loss of my father for me and for all of us was so great that I could not bear the pain of my siblings oh so I just left I took off first of all through drugs and then I took off physically as well but by the time my brother killed himself when I was 21 and he was 20 um it actually, his his death brought the rest of us back together again. One death, that's what I discovered, can tear you all apart. Anyway, yes. this is how it happened for me. Yeah. But a repetition of that, if you don't get the message. It's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up. But then that second death brought us back together again. We realized, and this is what you realize with death too, is how precious the people you love are. And then had to treasure them and to... Make the most of your time with them. Don't get so caught up in your work. That isn't all of life. The life is all about our relationships and the love that we share with others. That's it. And that's yeah. what we take with us. And that's what stays with us from the people we've lost as well. I agree. Um, Their love is always with us. It doesn't go. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why when I started writing letters to my sister, the like, about a year after she died that I was just constantly missing her and I was like you know what I can write her letters like she can't uh, write me back but at least in my mind dear Kiala 
um that was my way of talking to her and, and like you said once you put it down it's like it was like my heart was lighter oh my heart was lighter you know like I still miss her I I it's been 21 years I still want her to walk through the door and be like I'm home like ah, you know because that's her personality um but it just helped my heart you know yeah. and so I totally I, I I agree and so that's why my friend's gonna help me to put out the book but yes you, you have thoughts and feelings which is normal yeah you know yeah. but finding tools to help express those feelings and emotions that can be overwhelming is, yes you know yeah I think we are given creativity to help us heal so if you're not a writer, you can do the same thing through art. You can make something with clay. If you like sewing, all of Ooh. these. Gardening. Do you know anybody who does sewing? With their, like, do you know anyone who? Yes, who's yes. Big? So a really good um, tool and one of the ones in my book is um, make a quilt. You can make a quilt with the old clothing because often we have the the clothes and, you know, we'll go in the cupboard and we'll smell them and we'll cry, which is a great use for them. But after a while, you do have to clean out that cupboard. But no, I don't want to throw out my partner's clothes. Yeah. But you can make a special quilt full of love with patches of cloth. Wow. That's a great. Yeah, guys, if you're listening, that's a great. That's something great to do. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a big quilt. It could even be a small one just so you can, you know, put it on your lap or even maybe pass it on to your grandchild or your great-grandchild. There's grandma's rug, you know, with all grandma's favorite dresses on it, something like that. Thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. (laughs) The book's full of great ideas. But um, So I was thinking, too, with your letter writing, that's a wonderful tool. But there are ways that you can hear their answer. So you can ask a question and people call it automatic writing or writing with the non-dominant hand as uh-huh. well, where you can ask them a question and you can answer that by using your non-dominant hand or you can keep writing with this hand, but just whatever comes up in your head. Usually for me, it's just things like, I love you. Don't worry. You didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, things really? like that. Yeah, so next time you do that, Deslin, have a try of that. Because I just talk to my dead people all the time. <laughs> right. No, thank you. I, I definitely will try it. So for me, um, for my sister, so my grandmother, before she died, um, my grandmother and my grandpa lived till they were 82. Um, and so when my grandmother was like uh, her last year, I would have good talks with her. And um, I was still struggling with being a people pleaser. This was back in 2019. And um, one of the um, advice she gave me, because she thought she was young, she was the young 82. Um, so I was talking to her and she was already in hospice. So she, you know, she she was like, you know, getting close to end of life. And she said, you have to do what makes you happy. Because in the end, um, you can't blame no one. I was like, ooh. You know, so we're constantly thinking about making our parents, our, our spouse, our girlfriend, boyfriend, our kids, people who don't know happy. Um, but then yet, you know, we, we have to live with ourselves. And so when I have a dream or I have something I want to pursue and I'm like scared or I think oh, I can hear her saying, does he do what makes you happy? Yes. Yes. And- Go, Mark. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I love my grandma. She was my sunshine. Like you're, you said your dad's like your sunshine. That, I called her like my sunshine girl. She's like one of my best friends. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, grandmas are precious. <laughs> if they're good ones, some grandmas aren't so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I really um, love talking to you and I, I know I'm going to keep in contact with you. Um, the book, I'm going to, um, you know, get your book and whatnot. Um, but can you um, tell anybody, um, like, is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, I think what's most important for people who are grieving is to be kind to yourself that actually it's the most important thing for all people it's that voice in our heads if it's beating you up you tell it to leave the room that you you know be your own best friend we if you would not say what you're saying to yourself to your best friend don't say it to you just be kind to yourself. Be gentle with yourself. Grief is not over in six months. It is not over in a year. The, the very worst critical pain, if the grief is not complicated by traumatic loss, uh, by trauma or other ex, extra factors, it will feel better after the first year. That first anniversary is a big hurdle. But grief goes on for years and years. I still cry for my father. 42 years after he died 30 what is it for my brother 35 something like that so yeah I still cry for them and that's fine tears are given to us to wash clean our wounds yeah don't be afraid to cry we actually need to do it apart from writing or other creative activities use them to help you cry because it's the tears that do the good work of healing Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I, I agree. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, pent up emotions and the tears are the unspoken words that that needs to to just come out. Yeah. And they release hormones, good hormones that actually. Work see, like wait, sorry, say that again. Tears release good hormones that help us to feel calmer. You know, after you've had a big cry and you go. Yes, yeah, the one your nose is all snotty. Yes. Yeah. And and crying isn't just like Deslin and I've been tearing up. That's not really crying. Crying is when you're going, <laughs> your face is all ugly and you're all snotty and your eyes are all red. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, because sometimes we're so like, we're going through life like really yeah. hard stuff maybe not yeah. even someone who died maybe we're going through a divorce or our job or school or kids yeah. or whatever and we're like no don't cry or stay oh, strong no. stay strong yeah. Yeah. yeah but then you're saying just let it out if if you feel the need to cry give it give it go in the shower if you don't like the the bad crying you know yeah. but like get, yeah. give yourself space to to let it flow and you said there's it's healthy and it's good yeah. Some cultures are much better at it. Like I've got an Italian friend and they're, you know, much better. Oh, really? And crying. And, but I'm, well, I'm a very sort of repressed, uh, the Irish Catholics, you know, everything's <laughs> very locked away. So, <laughs> so yeah, I had to make myself cry. I had to learn. Really? How to cry. I deliberately did not cry for a few months after my father and it did a lot of damage um yeah that's why I still cry about it now <laughs> yeah no um but that's true culturally that impacts how we grieve you know yeah. and sometimes it helps and sometimes it hurts and yeah. so it's important for us to 
maybe look at other other cultures or other other people who, who how do they grieve like it may seem like weird or odd to us but maybe that style of grieving is going to be more beneficial for us too yeah yeah I learned a lot when I was in Cambodia uh, from the Khmer people um, and Chinese people as well where they have the urn with the ancestors ashes and the picture of the mum who's died and they bow down and and ask grandma and ask mum how can you help me so they they talk to ma every day and and pray to her and and that made a lot of sense to me and gave, gave a lot of healing too I can keep talking to them you can ask them for help they don't go far their love's always with you yeah I, I was uh you know um YouTube there's there's different mediums that are out there and um there's this one um she's from Florida why am I blanking on her name um anyways oh gosh she's blonde she's beautiful uh but I I watch her on YouTube and I don't know what it is because she they ask her oh and she speaks for spirit but her background is Catholic and so she'll say certain things and she'll say um they wanted to tell you that you said this and then like she's they tell and they wanted you to know that they heard you and that it's okay it's okay um that I'm here and and like very specific stuff but I'm over here watching YouTube and I'm like (sighs) crying (laughs) because there's that times when some of the things she's saying I've said it to my own loved ones yeah you know and you're like I wish you were here but so every time I'm watching they're like um I'm I'm with you I I see you I know you have kids I know you got married I know you broke down and you're crying and that you have a feather like I mean like and so it's just confirmation that whether you see people or not they're with you always with you yes they are the love no nothing that has been created can be undercreated it just changes form and so that love is not in physical form and that's what we miss is the touch yes and the visual yeah the physical yeah Yeah. but the the love is still there so yeah the love is still there always what is the best way for you to find you and do you only do things in person or are you gonna offer anything virtually um before the end of the year uh because with the pandemic i know people no No pressure no pressure (laughs) but if you need help I'm good at technology I can help you great okay so I'm thinking of doing uh writing your way into a story so getting people writing uh in January I thought that would be a good time everybody can do it for their new year's resolution yes short online course um and we've got I've got regular podcasts coming out as well now with Kirsten who I did the healing for writing podcast as well okay so I have a, I have a what YouTube can you tell them what what is it called so they can subscribe uh let's talk writing and it's through Edwina Shaw on YouTube and I, you can find me at edwinashaw.com okay so that's got all stuff about my books I do lots of writing advice and hints and tips and I do a lot about healing with writing and yoga as well so guys um I'm not gonna put I'm gonna put Edwina um a little bit pressure but we're all the way here on the Hawaiian Islands and 
to jump on a plane to go to Australia isn't easy. So if you'd like to offer a component for virtual um, for Zoom, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be paid because it's your time and whatnot. But if you want, I'm more than willing to um, help with the tech tech side of it um, while you teach it, because I really want to learn that also. Oh, great. Okay, well, let's talk, Deslin, and we'll we'll work on a course for... Because we want it over here in, uh, in the U.S. <laughs> and so I, I'm more than willing... I, to put in my time to help you so you can do it so the people that are oh, following the podcast you. can participate i am learning to become a technical wizard but uh... <laughs> no so what you do is you make friends with people like me to help you so you can focus on your craft and we can focus on our craft uh, i i love social media that is my forte so i i, I would love to yeah so we'll talk after Hi. this let's talk yeah. <laughs> well guys thank you so much for joining us this is Edwina um, if you haven't already please uh, subscribe to the healing with Aloha and you guys have a beautiful day Edwina stay on right now and guys thank you Aloha bye